2019, we, we made the call to become net sellers of, of assets, even though we had this great platform that was buying a lot of deals, it was very successful. We just felt like uh, there was such frothiness uh, in the market. The cap rates were so low and and um, historically uh, pretty low for, from the interest rate standpoint as well. And, and so we decided to become net sellers. And in, in 2019 and a little bit after, we sold about a billion dollars in assets. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. We are continuing the conversation uh, with our guest, Dan French. You heard him yesterday. If you didn't, I hope you will go back and listen because he shared so many valuable things uh, that I hope you will go back and and just heed, right? Heed this advice, this wisdom from experience. But then today we're going to jump into, man, the market, market trends. What are they seeing and what are they doing, right? How are they planning to be able to buy, buy projects in the future? You're going to hear that today. Day, uh, and then some, uh, as you learn from Dan and his experience. Well, I hope you will go back and listen to yesterday's segment with Dan, where he laid out a number of topics and advice that I think is just crucial. I, I wish I could have heard that many years ago, a number of things that he said, uh, things that they learned during some challenging times and uh, during the 08, 08, 09 time period, right, which most of us can remember or have heard about uh, and you need to listen to that. Uh, if you are uh, active or passive, there's so many things that that he listed out that are, are just crucial uh, in business uh, altogether. But today, I'm going to welcome him back. I'm looking forward to spending some more time with Dan. Dan, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Winnie. I'm having a lot of fun. Appreciate it. Awesome. No, glad to have you and honored to get to spend this much time with you. And I love having guys and gals on that have just a level of experience that, that you do. Uh, and especially when we're talking about things like uh, the real estate market, right, or the economy, and, and I think it's helpful, you know, when somebody has the the length of experience that you do and been through a downturn, and and you know, you live that, right? We talked about those challenges yesterday, uh, and even some things that you wish you had done differently, or, or you know, maybe why they were so challenging, right? Again, I want the listeners to go back and hear that. But, you know, I want, I want to hear, you know, obviously from you, I know the listeners want to hear too, right? What you're seeing and what you're thinking about the real estate market right now and and maybe market trends. We'll dive into some of those things. Um, you know, and often the listeners hear me say, well, you know, some people say, well, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't know. Well, I know. However, what you believe is going to happen affects what you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, affects the decisions that we're going to make. And we're all just trying to take in as mo- most accurate data that we can, right? To make the best judgments that we can at all times for, for our team and investors. And and uh, so we'd just love to hear from you. Let's you know, get us started, I guess, on just your thoughts on on maybe some things you've seen in the real estate market that maybe others haven't. Yeah, no, I pre- appreciate that. Happy to go into it. So um, I think it's important to know from past track record that in 2019, we, we made the call to become net sellers of, of assets, even though we had this great platform that was buying a lot of deals, it was very successful. We just felt like uh, there was such frothiness uh, in the market. The cap rates were so low and and um, historically uh, pretty low for, from the interest rate standpoint as well. And, and so we decided to become net sellers. And in, in 2019 and a little bit after, we sold about a billion dollars in assets. Congratulations. Yeah, appreciate that. It, it worked out really well uh, for our capital partners as well, and we were defined, I think, here by our patience. Um, so ever since then, uh, besides a couple opportunistic deals that we bought during COVID, we bought a, a hotel during COVID, and really an, an iconic hotel in Austin. We're very excited about it's a redevelopment play, 
But besides that, we've been really kind of paused on the buy side until now, right? So we are we are raising a fund because we feel that there's a gathering storm of folks, um, especially in the multifamily space, but but across uh, different asset classes. I think this this would be true. Folks that bought during 2021, 2022, they paid a, a very high purchase price and they put floating rate debt and they only bought an interest rate cap of two or three years at most. And so there's going to be this gathering storm of not everyone, but but enough folks are going to get, um, they're, they're washed out. They, they can't do anything with their asset except for um, capital call, take on prep equity or sell in a, in a kind of like a fire sale kind of way. So we are raising some capital to go after this opportunity. And the opportunity for sure is driven primarily by the interest rate, the historic you know, rise in, in, in how quickly it happened. And, and folks are just not ready for it. And we we wanna the folks that bought, you know, 2021, 22 primarily, they are not ready to handle, you know, all the, the shocks that came from that historic historically fast rise. And and then beyond that, look, labor costs have increased, insurance costs have, have skyrocketed. Um, the OPEX costs are just are, are not helping anyone. And it's really hard. These, these deals are in very bad cash positions. And we want to swoop in and lock in great deals and preferably deals that we can hold for the long term. So that's our thesis. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Uh, you are... Uh... I hear I hear it more and more, right? That people are preparing to be able to buy deals like that. Uh, can you elaborate on the type of fund a little bit, or or uh, or maybe on the past investor side, what does this fund look like? Uh, you know, when, when you're sharing it with an investor, what do they expect? Yeah, so it's a it's a general partner fund, and uh, so we uh, all the partners have money that we have alongside of our partners that come into the fund, and and so anyone that, that wants to invest with our team would have two different options, really. Right, you can go deal by deal. If you want to be a little bit more active, you can choose a deal, and we'll show uh, any deal that we have under control. We'll show that to our our capital partner network. They can be active and say, "Hey, I love the deal in Austin, but I don't really love that deal in Jacksonville." Um, or you can go in the fund, and that means you're going to get a diversified portfolio of assets, and you're um, you're going to be a little bit more passive, right? You're you're going to say, "I trust you to steward this capital." I trust you're going to find great deals and you're going to get diversified across at least, you know, two different states, Texas and Florida, which we're primarily betting on, although we'll look at some other states. And this time around, we're more uh, asset class agnostic. So we're looking um, not basically anything except for traditional office. We're going to stay far away from that. But besides that, we have um, opened up the funnel quite a bit. Um, Like I said, we have already bought a, a hospitality deal, hotel. We're looking at triple net deals when they come around. We're looking at industrial, possibly medical office. But basically, that's how it goes, right? The, the GP fund is asset class agnostic. It's betting on this interest rate, um, the shocks caused by the interest rate environment, and it's going to be diversified. And that's how we'll put, we'll put that together. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, and it's interesting. Why? So have you all... I've been strictly multifamily focused in the past or up to this point. Primarily, yeah, we we just bought a couple, you know, one-off kind of offices just for our own use. But but primarily it's been multifamily focused um from from a hard asset standpoint. Now Pete has some track record investing in some other things, but 
Yeah, from a hard physical asset, it's been multifamily primarily. Speak to the decision or thought to open up to even other asset classes now and and just the, you know, being able to manage them as well and and yeah, take on a new venture like that. Yeah, something we debated heavily, you know, because we do have strong network and strong track record and and you know, we we are still obviously looking at multifamily because people now that they've heard we're active, they they're showing us deals. And that's been great, especially off-market deals. And we love that. But yeah, we we just feel like this is a different time frame. You know, that when we were getting started in 20, getting restarted, I guess you'd say from, from my standpoint, but 2011, 12, 13, that was a specific period, a specific bet or trade uh, in the market. And now this is something different. And we're betting more on lo- location than specific asset class. So location being we feel like there's a durable trend that's going to continue of people moving out of the high regulatory, high tax states. It's going to continue to go um, uh, to Florida and Texas. Also, if you look at the Mexican growth story, Texas is a great derivative of that play. You know, a lot of manufacturing is coming from, is going to get uh, reshored, if you want, if you will, back to North America after COVID with the supply chain stuff and that's going to continue to rage forward. Mexico is the 10th largest economy in the world. A lot of people don't even think about that, but we feel like that's going to keep growing. And just so many different drivers. So really, we're just looking for jewel assets in great locations that are downside protected, strong cash flow. And that's why we're more open um, yeah. because multifamily might, the the pricing dislocation is not is not fully realized yet. And we can talk about that where there's a, a a spread between what buyers are looking to pay and what sellers are willing to accept. Yeah, go ahead and speak to that. I think that's valuable to think through that. Yeah, they, you know, a lot of people in the industry are, are they'll call it like a bid ask spread, right? Where where um, you know a seller is is hanging on, I think, to the past a little bit too much, and they're not they're not accepting that um, simply just by interest rates going up so much that a new buyer cannot pay the same price that they were ex- expecting. Maybe they flirted with with taking out their deal to, uh, to the market in 2022. They probably should have sold then, right? When right before interest rates went crazy. Um and so they're holding on to that old pricing that they that they heard about and they're holding on for dear life and, and just saying, hey, maybe it'll get better. Maybe it'll get better. I don't want to sell for 30% less than what you know I I could have gotten just 18 months ago. And the buyer though is is constricted because they have to underwrite to new insurance costs, they have to underwrite to new debt, they have to underwrite to new labor costs, you know, wages of of their onsite team. Um, so, so that spread is still there, where the buyers are going to be capped, or responsible buyers at least are going to be capped at what they can pay, and the sellers are going to try to hold on until they get, you know, really forced into a sale. So, so right now I think we're seeing a lot of this kind of spread be continuing. And we see it all the time because we have a very active pipeline and, and it's hard to put together a deal that is downside protected. Yeah. Just guys stay, stay patient. It's a hard reality, right? Uh, it's a, it's hard to bring yourself mentally to the point where you really believe, okay, I've got to get rid of this asset. And it's, it may be, you know, many millions less than what you heard. Like you said, quote, you know, right. You heard that it may be worth two years ago, right. Or 12 months, you know, whatever it was. Um, and so that's, that's hard, right. It's, it is, uh, but uh, better, better now than being made to sell. Maybe 
six months from now, right? Uh, at times too. Uh, so that, uh, yeah, it, it is difficult. Uh, no doubt about it. I, I agree with you though, that I, I believe over the next 12 months, there'll be many fire cells or there'll be many, you know, operators that it's so unfortunate, right? But they didn't protect their downside. Uh, like you talked about yesterday, they did similar things, maybe even worse, probably worse, right? Than, than what you all had done, you know, say in 08 or before, right? Uh, yeah. and, and are even less prepared or way over leveraged or less reserves or right? Uh, didn't raise enough money, all those things that they just left no, there's no no margin there, right? For error uh, exactly. whatsoever. Um, and there's, it's real estate, there's error, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's going to be things you don't expect. Uh, to say to say the least. Um, so so that's your all's. Uh, say, would you say that's a big your main focus right now is raising this fund? So an expectation of of these deals that that unfortunately are going to go back to the banks. Exactly. Yeah. Just just to be prepared to have the dry powder. And we've already closed one deal um, in in this fund, and we have we're we're in the best and final on another deal that we expect to uh, hopefully control in the next couple of days here. So we're, you know, like I said, we're active. We're, we're well patient. So yeah. that's a key thing is that, um, and, and that, that kind of goes hand in hand. You have to uh, be very active and then you might have to look at way more deals than you did in the past, but that's okay. You know, yeah. that you can really um, gain conviction on the right one. Is that, uh, are you buying those? I mean, are they still owned by the seller or are they owned by the lender or come back to the lender? How, no, where are those coming well, from? Yeah, one was uh, both still owned by the seller, so no, no bank owned transactions yet. But the the one we did so far had seller financing that we had well, negotiated with the seller, so that was very helpful. Um, so we got four uh, percent seller financing over five years with interest. Nice. On. So I made the deal work. You know that was a that's downside protection. Yeah, you know, and that that was a great thing. I, I'd love to do fifty more of those. But those are <laughs> this those year, are right? By. Yeah, right now. Yeah, <laughs> but they're they're hard to come by. But but that's that that's kind of the alpha that we were hoping to bring uh, as a sponsor is that we have networks and we're trying to, you know, be so selective and work with different groups to make deals work in a downside protected way. Yeah. Uh, any other uh, before we move to a few final questions, Dan? Any other market trends that that you're very focused on, or maybe that you watch, you know, very frequently? Well, you know, for multifamily, I think I think a lot of folks are talking about this, but but make make sure as a listener, you really look at supply. Um, that's that's huge. I know your group um, does this, Whitney, very well. But but you know, make sure you're in a market where you in a sub market where you understand what is the supply coming online, because so many uh, with the low interest rate environment during that period, so many shovels went to the ground because it was easier to get construction debt. So you have this massive run up in supply. Now, of course, we think, and we know, we've already seen this in the, in the data, uh, that w- now with the high interest rate environment, the, these deals are not going to get greenlit. So you're going to have a, a fallow period of a couple of years where groups don't make starts and put shovels in the ground. So if you can kind of like what people are saying, survive till 25, and that's when some of the supply will taper off, you'll get this period of, of um, time where there's not as much new stuff coming online. You'll have a little bit more pricing power if you're renting multifamily units. But you have to, it's so sub-market specific that you have to really dial in and do your homework. So that that's what I would say. 
Yeah, no, awesome, awesome. All right, Dan. Well, we'll move to a few final questions. And uh, you know, what about um, what's the biggest challenge in your all's business right now? Maybe other than deal flow, uh, you know, or something we've mentioned. But what's the big challenge that you all are working through right now? I was going to say deal flow. Um, <laughs> well, look, it's always. I think it's always a challenge to to find great capital partners that are that are philosophically aligned. You know, it's a it's a big thing for some of the handover. Uh, some of their hard-earned money for you to steward on their behalf. So I think there's always a challenge is to raise, uh, get the right folks in our fund that, that are philosophically aligned. They want to be long-term hold and they want to, you know, go, they want to trust us as stewards. And, and look, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty and doubt. They call it FUD, you know, fear, uncertainty, and doubt still in the world. You know, we're, we're we have wars going on. Um, we have other shocks that have happened, right? No one really knows what the Fed's going to do. So there's a lot of that. So people, you know, some some folks are sitting on their money. So, what's your best source for meeting new investors right now? Wow, you know, we do we do a lot of different things. Um, I, I wish I had just a silver bullet. We're doing a webinar coming up. You know, we we do a lot of in person in in our local. We have team teammates in Florida and Texas, um, so we've done we've done some events. Um, I think I think the the warm you know person to person thing is still probably the most effective when you can do it, but that doesn't scale. So yeah, you know, we're trying to to have different ways for folks to meet the team or or Zoom works too. You know, what about uh, what's your best advice for passive investors right now? I mean, do your homework. Really, really do homework. You know what is what is a track record? Just look at track record. It's, uh, it's it's so important. And and for the people who are kind of like the first time sponsor or whatever, you know, really understand. Well, how do they look at the world? How are they uh, approaching debt? How are they approaching downside protection? Does everything have to go perfectly for that deal to work? You know, so I would I would say do your homework. You know, and be um, be very very selective and. Measure twice before you <laughs> go in with someone, cut once. They, they say measure twice, cut once. But yeah, yeah, be selective. What are some of the most important metrics that you track? Could be personally or, or professionally. Yeah, personally, I would say, uh, am, am I on the right path to the, and my family and my friends to the eternal reward? I would say, you know, to heaven. That is the most important thing. That is the is the one thing, right? Because this this life is gonna it's gonna be so fleeting. It already is. I'm 42, you know, I have four kids, and um, it feels like it just flew by already. And and by all, by all accounts, as you get older, it races quicker, right? So I want to make sure, like you know, I'm I'm spending my life the right way. I'm trying to be a better person. Trying to in, in my business work, you know, be mission focused and and help. Uh, empower people so they can rise up and live abundantly so that that is the most important thing and personally so professionally we would just be you know being excellent um which is such a high bar uh and being a good steward of people's capital and being a, a high character you know and you can always grow in that area so no doubt uh, is there any, uh, any habits that you're disciplined about that have produced a higher return for you faith in family and fitness i would say they're really important to me, right? So faith to I, I read I try to read the Bible every day and pray every day. Just little things you can put in your day, you know. And no everyone has the time for this. That's that's the thing. Like I, I can pray while I'm working out. 
so I can kind of pray and do my fitness at the same time. So I find when I don't do those things, I just feel off, you know? So fitness, I have to move around. I have to throw some weights around sometimes, you know, I have to do some runs. Otherwise I don't feel right. Uh, and, and it makes me more focused in business. And then family would just be, you know, make sure I'm getting the right amount of time in with my wife, my four kids, yeah. which is hard to do is I love to work. <laughs> I, I can work all day and not even notice, you know, I have to really put my family time in there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing that and just being purposeful about that. I can relate to all of that, that you said about your morning routine and, and just time with the family or, and I can be in the office all day and, and just driven, right. Motivated. <laughs> Uh, to get, you know, accomplish those things. And before you know it, it's 8 p.m. and you haven't been home, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what yeah. would you say is the number one thing that's contributed to your success? That's super hard. I, I don't know. I would probably give it back to my folks, my my parents who, yeah, I think just had good values and were good people, you know, just just like good people, be, be other focused. Um and and try to do something good with your life, you know, high expectations. Like they always, I think they always thought of me as someone that could do big things, you know, and, and, and believed in me. So I don't know. I, I just felt like I feel like that's probably number one. Yeah, that's incredible. I heard a guy say the other day, he was a pastor. He said one of the one of the biggest things that uh like your children need is to know that their father believes in them. Mm. You know? That's great. Yeah, yeah. it's so powerful. It is so powerful, uh, and my I can relate to that. My mother, in a big way, just man, uh, almost anything I pursued, she was like my biggest cheerleader, you know. And, uh, and so I look back, and I'm so grateful, you know. Uh, but no, that's awesome. Uh, and then, uh, how do you like to give back? Uh, give back, you know, like like I said, I, I mentioned um, through our business. That, that's we like to think of our business as being you know, not double bottom line, but something where we can bring mission and we can empower people. So I, I like to think of it that way because so much of our time is spent that way. But me and my wife also serve on a on a board called the JP John Paul II Life Center Board. And it helps pregnant women. It helps um, you know, many of them have uh troubles or they're they don't know where their next kind of paycheck's coming from. So it helps pregnant women, helps the unborn, and it helps um families once they have the children. So that's called the JP2 Life Center. Very powerful. And that's how we uh, get back currently. Dan, I appreciate you sharing that. Appreciate you sharing so much time with us and even recording two segments with us uh, at, you know, over over two days. And so grateful for the just you being willing to be transparent, share from your time, even the hard times, right? The challenging times mm-hmm. that were probably the most educational, right? That I'm hoping the listeners and myself, you know, can learn from and not have to learn the hard way, right? Uh, but hopefully they'll take those things uh, and run with the, the advice that you gave in so many aspects. And, and even even today, talking through and what you all are doing to prepare for what you see coming, right? Uh, and so just grateful for that. Dan, again, how can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? Sure. Yeah, no, it's my pleasure to be on and uh, I really appreciated it. So uh, my cell phone is 845-629-1808. Feel free to reach out to me there. But uh, Daniel French on LinkedIn, atxacquisitions.com. So dfrench at atxacquisitions.com. Those are the best ways. 
Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 